You're listening to The Basics of Life with Rob Salvato, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel Vista in Vista, California. These are the basics of life. Today on The Basics of Life Conversations, my guest is Pastor Daniel Fusco. Daniel is the lead pastor at Crossroads Church in Vancouver, Washington, and he is one of the most innovative thinkers that I know when it comes to the church and sharing the gospel. In this conversation, Daniel and I have a candid discussion about leading a church in the midst of the COVID pandemic. I think this conversation will be an encouragement to any pastor who hears it and will give some good insight for any Christian on how they should be praying for the leadership of their church as they try to navigate through this difficult season. Well, Daniel, welcome back to the program. Oh, I'm so excited to be with you still, Rob. This is great. Yeah, this is great. And I'm really enjoying this conversation. And if you're just tuning in now to part two, Daniel and I have been talking about doing ministry in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. And Daniel's been sharing with us about how his church has been navigating this, but also some of the things that he's been just dealing with and struggling with as a pastor himself and his team. And I really appreciate his openness and his honesty, but also just his great insights that he's had. So we're going to continue this conversation. If you missed part one, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. But Daniel, I want to dive back into this by asking you this question. What do you think are the long-term effects that this pandemic is going to have on the body of Christ moving forward? What are the things that concern you and what are the things that excite you? Well, so there's no doubt that what we're going through is going to have uh, extensive effects on the body of Christ. So I think it really depends on what the Bible teaches really quite simply is that if we're in the flesh or if we're in the spirit. Mm. So I think Satan has got plans and strategies for the church and is going to leverage COVID-19 to get there. And then, of course, Jesus has a plan to perfect his bride and he's going to leverage it. And so what I've learned as a pastor is that I, I only have control over if I'm in the spirit and not in the flesh. I have no control over anybody else. Mm-hmm. That's like a personal choice. And so one of the things that I always am reminded of is that everybody is on a, a different step of their faith journey and everybody is heading in a different direction in their faith journey. So like, so I think that Obviously, the disruption of churches not being able to gather for a long time. Now, there's obviously there's fears of getting sick, and there's no doubt that given the way it seems to be shared, obviously being in large groups of people is a concern. We still have sporting events at this point. So obviously, I think that for some people, um, this is going to be the impetus for them to walk away from their faith. Now, it's really not the coronavirus's fault. They're choosing that, but this is it's an off-ramp that people are taking. And if you look at church attendance numbers, you know, even committed believers, it used to be that committed believers would go to church three times a month. And then it was 1.8 times a month. Last time I heard it was 1.4 times a month. So, you know, committed believers are a gathering together within the church, an increasingly less, you know, amount of times per month. And so for some people, this could be like, they never come back to church. And I think yeah. that's exactly what Satan wants, you know, because there's nothing less useful than a body part that's not a attached to the body in any way. Do you think that there's maybe a segment of the body of Christ that 
just kind of gets to this point where there's kind of enjoying, you know, watching Daniel Fusco online in their pajamas, you know, in bed and rather than connecting with the body of Christ. And if we believe, okay, if you were like, yeah, that definitely is a reality, what would be what you would say to that person? Yeah. Okay. So I would say that for some people, that's a definite reality. But one of the things that when we first started doing the digital ministry stuff, I had people say, but listen, they're going to just stop coming to church and they're just going to watch online. Yeah. But I've always taken that as if that's what someone's going to choose. That's actually not their fault. That's our fault. Because really all we're saying is the only reason we're here is for a good Bible teaching. Yeah. And listen, I'm not downplaying the sermon at all. I mean, you know, God God honors his word, you know, faith of a healing, healing by the word of God. But church is so much more than just the mouth. Right. And so I've made the the decision that we want people to have an amazing digital experience at Crossroads. And when they come to the church campus, the the, the people of God gather together, it is so much more powerful Hmm. because certain things can't translate. Right. And so for me, like if someone is enjoying it online, I'm like, yeah, you should enjoy worship and the word. But that is actually not the totality of church. That is designed to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, which is what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. So the equipping function of the Sunday gathering is something that you can partake of apart from the body, but everything else has to happen in the context of the life of the church. Hmm. And so for me, I'm always trying to make sure that like somebody like they're like, yeah, I'm doing this now. And we're seeing these people like, I love that we our church is so good at, at the online stuff, but I can't wait to be together again. I can't wait to be serving. I can't wait to – and that's how we really know that we're moving people into maturity. And that's why like when we were talking about it, you know, in the spirit, a lot of people, they've done the best they could. They've been patient, but they can't wait, and now they value church even more mm-hmm. because they're like, man, I can't believe I haven't gotten to be a part of my church family in the way that I'm used to for four months. I can't wait to be with my church family. So I think that what God wants to do is I think he wants the people of God to really value, you know, what the Bible calls, you know, community. It's just the relationships, the organic spirit designed relationships of tribe, nation and tongue, different men and women, older and younger in under the authority of Jesus, what what the body is really meant to be. And I think if that's if that Queen Aenea is sweet, then Somebody will watch online because they're on vacation. They'll watch online because they have a kid sick or sometimes they're just exhausted because they had a crazy week and whatever. But they want to be in the midst of the people of God because that's where they're at home on the side of eternity. So you're putting a whole lot of emphasis on what happens in the in-person gathering to make that even more special than the online opportunity and presence. Yeah, I mean, so, and I think really what I've what I've come to realize is that there's a lot of talk about the church making the mistake of in a kind of a capitalistic society where everything's a commodity yes. that we've kind of commodity, you know, made a commodity of worship, made a commodity of Bible teaching, and and I hear that critique and it makes some sense. But then I'm reminded of like I look at the critique, I mean, well, that makes sense, but what does the Bible say? Hmm. And so you realize that for for the early church, and, and we know the early church wasn't perfect. I mean, you know, right, right as 
the spirit gets poured on out. You know, there are people thinking that the people are drunk, and 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 then obviously they have you know Gentile believers coming in. The Jewish believers didn't know what to do with them. They have to have the Jerusalem Council, and so it wasn't all it wasn't all neat and tidy. It's not idealistic, but what you realize is that. God not only saves us from our sins individually, but he saves us into a family. Mm, so good. You know, like, it's like, because of that, it's like, there is no substitute for the people of God. And, you know, and don't get me wrong. There are people like we have people who crossroads is their church and they're taking care of a loved one who is sick. They're taking care of an elderly parent. We have people who are shut-ins and we are their only lifeline to church because we do digital ministry. But even in those situations, we send chaplains over to spend time with them every week because church isn't only worship and Bible teaching. It's relationships and it's prayer. It's Amen. it's people in community together. It's people bearing one another's burdens. People you can confess your sins to and pray for one another. Yeah. You know, like we have all these beautiful scriptures. And so, but if, if as a church, as churches, if we've allowed what we're doing to just be, we'll come for worship and teaching and there's, and really we don't offer anything else. Or if your Sundays are great, but like your home-based community groups, there's nothing going on there. There's no outreach or, you know, social compassion into our community or missions going abroad. Then I start to say, well, actually we've made the mistake of allowing our culture's commoditization of preaching and worship to become our church style. And I think Mm. that that would be a mistake that I'd have to fix. What other concerns do you have about, as you, you know, what the long-term effects are going to have and what excites you as you look at this going forward? So I think the other long-term thing that I'm concerned about, obviously, is that, you know, now that we've had one pandemic, I assume that we'll have more, Mm. you know? And so I think that the, you know, and I've always said, you know, and people have talked for a long time about, you know, is the the larger churches, you know, is that like a model of the past? And so one of the things that I that we worked really hard on here is that as a as a really large church is to how do we make Crossroads both bigger and smaller? Hmm. You know, like we want to be able to reach more and more people. And we also want it to be more and more intimate once you're on the inside. You know, and so I think that, you know, I have those type of concerns where I'm like, you know, will we ever have really large gatherings again? And and, and I think we will. But if there's another pandemic, if you have a series of these over time, does that really kind of really kind of mess up the ability to have the big, large Sunday gathering? You know, we have a large sanctuary so so we can have those. Yeah. And, and so what would it look like for us to have to be more decentralized than that? But and I think what excites me is a lot of ways what excites me is, you know, as an early adopter into digital ministry, now all churches had to do it. And I think a lot of churches will continue to do it as a strategy, which makes me super happy mm-hmm. because like I said on, on our first part, you know, there's people there and, and like we do a lot of it because, you know, we believe we can reach certain people, but we can't reach everybody. We believe the totality of the body of Christ can reach everybody. We're called to reach the subset that we're called to reach by the Lord and equipped and gifted to do so. And so for me, I love the idea of churches using digital as a strategy going forward. I love the idea that in some ways the churches had to become more, you know, interpersonal with, you know, uh, with community groups. I love seeing the church having to leverage technology more. Mm-hmm. I think all of those things are great benefits because, you know, I remember when I was invited to start doing TV ministry and I was very skeptical of it. And I'm like, man, you know, I don't, I don't have. I mean, I have kind of cool hair if you like dreadlocks, but I don't have like your classic like TV preacher hair, and I'm definitely not wearing a suit. And I had someone say to me like, they're like Daniel, but wouldn't it wouldn't it make sense that a, the most powerful medium of of this generation, the evangelicals, the the, the strong Bible teaching pastors, kind of abandoned it? Hmm. 
Mm. Like, w- wouldn't that be what Satan would want? Now, I remember hearing that being like, oh, yeah, I haven't thought about it from that angle. And so <laughs> I think, you know, I want to see the church using whatever means necessary to get the gospel out, just like Jay Vernon McGee used the radio and, you know, and, and within Calvary Chapel, the radio and, and the cassette tapes, which became DVDs, which became thumb drives, which now are, you know, iPhone apps and, and Android phone apps and you know, so I want to see the church always on the front edge of the technological advances in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so I think that what's gone on has kind of forced that issue. And I see lots of churches experimenting and trying. And, and to me, that gets me super excited because it's really just about how do we reach people so that they can make decisions for Jesus. And once they make decisions for Jesus, how do we disciple them in Jesus? And then ultimately, how do we deploy a disciple to fulfill their calling in Jesus? And technology offers opportunities for us to further that along if we're willing to use it. That's great. And, you know, Daniel, I love your heart for the big C church and the fact that, you know, the, the thing that excites you the most is, is not just what you get to do, but what you see the opportunities are for other pastors and churches to be doing to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That really, really encourages me. And I commend you so much for having that type of heart. It's one of the things I love um, about you. I got two more questions for you. The next one I want to just ask is, how would you encourage Christ followers right now to be praying for their pastors who are trying to lead during this time? Oh, so I, what I would encourage you to do is to pray for your pastors. I mean, in, in every decision that we've had to make as pastors in the last four months, like like you think about the coronavirus, every single pastor has people who are like, this is really, really bad. And don't even think about opening. Other people being like, this is not bad at all. And you should have never closed. Some people being like, I just lost my uncle to the coronavirus. And other people being like, Oh man, come on. You're going to ask me to wear a mask. And so a pastor who cares about people feels all of that, Yeah, you know, and everyone's entitled to their opinion. Everyone's had their own experience, but a pastor gets caught in the middle. Now in the perfect world, the pastor would just, just say, hey, I'm going to honor the Lord and do whatever I want. But a pastor, you know, for most people, they just like to eat their pastors for lunch. And so, and, and that could be really hard on a pastor because like, I don't know any pastors who I think are horrible people. But I know that pastors are, are stuck in the middle of lots of things. You know, we just went as we've been going through it where they've been talking about race in our culture. Yeah. You know, pastors are in trouble for talking about it or not talking about it, talking about it too much. About it. I talked to two pastors who actually got let go from their churches because they talked about it. Wow. And another guy who almost got let go because he didn't talk about it. <laughs> and so I'm like, so like, so in some ways, you know, there's that old saying that, you know, that Jesus was talking about how the, the Pharisees are fickle. Like, we, we you know, we, we, we played a, a happy song and you didn't dance. and We played a dirge and you didn't weep. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, pastors are stuck in the middle of everyone has their own opinion. Everyone has their own beliefs about what's going on. And most pastors are just trying to honor Jesus and faithfully shepherd. And so, you know, just prayers for wisdom, for peace. You know, I also think pastoring in a society that you're connected to everybody all the time digitally has its own set of negative effects on it. Something goes on across the world and it's like it happened in your in your backyard. Mm. And so, 
you know, we, we've seen, like, I know I have had three friends who are pastors all commit suicide in the last 18 months, wow. you know, and obviously there's, there's, you know, pastors struggling with stuff like everybody else. And so, you know, I'm seeing that there's, you know, it's not easy in the midst of all of it. It can sometimes be a thankless job. It can sometimes be a bewildering job. You know, there's, there's been times where as a pastor, people I've poured my life into have, you know, made horrendous decisions. You know, I remember I buried a young guy. This was five years ago, a guy who had had, you know, kind of a rugged background, but God was doing a work in his life and God was using him. And he was, and he was, God was really like raising this guy up and relapsed on new year's Eve, you know, and overdosed and died. You know, and it's like you walk away from that as a pastor and you just feel level in your yeah. heart, like what God was going to do through this young man, hmm. you know. And, and so it's a beautiful calling. But in the midst of lots of feelings and, and opinions, it can be very challenging. So just pray for God's grace, for wisdom. I always tell people if they don't like a decision I make, you could pray for me. And if you really think it's like it's completely ungodly, it's anti-biblical, then talk to me about it, Yeah, you know. And so I'm not saying that, you know, pastors always get it right. God knows I don't always get it right. <laughs> but a lot of times I'm just kind of bombarded with, you know, like in this past week, we should have been open. We should not open yeah. for months. And because I love the folks, like I, I hear them and I, I understand what you're saying. And, you know, and but it, it is very challenging, especially in a pandemic. Yeah, it weighs on you. And I think a lot of times people forget that pastors are human. And, you know, we're just like them and we're struggling with all the same type of feelings and emotions and, and even the guys with the thickest skins. I mean, I hate seeing, and I've seen this happen to guys that I know that they just internalize everything to the point where, you know, they end up having a breakdown or they get an ulcer or they have a heart attack. And, you know, it is a very, very challenging time. I think that's a great word praying for grace, praying for wisdom. And I would just maybe add to that. Please be patient of your pastors because yeah. um, they're trying their best to navigate through, you know, a storm right now that they've never been in before, that they never could have imagined. It's difficult, but, you know, they're doing their best. And ultimately it's God's church and he's leading and we need to, we need to just all be as Paul said, you know, I pray that you guys would just be of the same mind and the same heart and we need to keep the main thing, the main thing and not get sidetracked on all these other, you know, issues. And so I think that's a good word. Well, I want to wrap this up by just giving you the opportunity to give just one final word of encouragement to any pastors who are going to hear this of how you would just seek to encourage them and maybe what advice you might give to them during this time. Yeah. So I want to encourage you pastors. First, I want to remind you that you are called and that you are chosen and that you are loved with an everlasting love. Second, I want to encourage you that Jesus has not changed one bit in the midst of all of this. I know everything else kind of has, but Jesus hasn't changed and the work of the gospel has not changed. And so I know right now, you pastors, because I'm in the same boat, you feel inadequate. You feel like, man, I do not know what I'm doing right now. And I believe that when we are weak, he can show himself strong. And so let's just abide in him together. I believe that, you know, actually my Bible teaches that the best is yet to come. Mm. 
Mm. You know, like whatever God has done, it's been great. But I know that the best is yet to come, that, you know, that that the the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with Mm. the glory that's going to be revealed in the sons of God. And that's as true as it was on the day the Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write that in the book of Romans, right? And so I just want to encourage you, don't make hasty decisions in feelings of weakness in the midst of a pandemic. Don't make hasty decisions. Because I know that many of you right now, that's, you know, you're like, maybe I'm not supposed to be in the ministry. This is crazy. Like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Maybe I need to leave. And, you know, and, and listen, don't make any hasty decisions when you're under pressure that nobody's trained for. Like, I was talking to someone the other day and they're like, man, like, where was like, like the class for pastors on how to lead through a pandemic? I'm like, yeah, there, there is none. But there will be about a hundred of them in like five months if they ever make it through this. <laughs> right. So no one's been trained for this. And so so just take a breath, trust the Lord. And listen, if you don't know what to do, just keep doing what you were doing. You know, and sometimes I think in the midst of all this for us as pastors, we things can get really big in our head. And it's not that they're not big, but they're just really big in our mm. head. And I would just also encourage you, pastors, reach out to other people. Just like as you know, Pastor Rob and I have talked in this, and I've talked to a lot of different people and reached out to people. I think sometimes it just it's a good reminder when someone's like, "Yeah, I don't have a clue what I'm doing with this right now. This is what I'm trying to do. This is what I think we're trying to do. Yeah, we did this. It really didn't work so good. And we're all just kind of in this together. So so don't don't suffer alone. Your brothers and sisters in Christ will be there for you if you reach on out to them. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Daniel, for being on our program today. I love you, bro, and appreciate all that you're doing. I uh, love you too, man. Thank you for listening to our show. The goal of this podcast is to bring you meaningful conversations that are meant to inspire, enlighten, encourage, and bring hope. Our show is produced by the awesome team at His Productions, and we are also a part of the Good Lion Podcast Network. For more Christ-centered content, I would encourage you to check out their website at www.goodlion.io. Well, I'm Rob Salvato. Until our next conversation, remember to keep the basics of your life simply Jesus. Jesus.